Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are then aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you're joining me on the podcast today. And it's just such a joy to aim our lives at Christ's likeness, knowing that is the goal. That is our destiny. Romans 8, 29. I love that verse. It says, we are all predestined. That's a destination that's prepared. That's the, that's the high calling that Paul referred about in, in Philippians 3, that I press towards the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what Romans 8, 29 has said. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Glory be to God. And 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says that just like we bore the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. So I believe I'm talking to heavenly men, men that are so heavenly minded that they're earth amazing. <laughs> Amen. The Your heavenly mindedness doesn't put you out of touch. No, it puts you completely in touch with what God is doing and the people in your life, especially your family, especially your spouse and your marriage if you're married. But here's the thing. We can bear the image and we do. We're made to bear the image. That was the Plan from the beginning in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, man was made for the image and the likeness of God. It's our destiny. And so the enemy, he's worked overtime and been quite successful to make life about a lot of other things rather than the propagation of the image and the likeness of God through family. And so here we are, men, hitting the divine reset button here today, saying, no, we're going to do life for the reason God gave us life. And we're not only going to do that, we're going to do life God's way. And so that's what we're pressing into here at Marksman. And we've been on a series for a number of weeks about applying the blood of Jesus to our life, to our home, to our families, like in Exodus 12, so that the destroyer doesn't get access to our home but we're under the blessing and protection of that blood. It was a Passover lamb in Exodus 12, and Jesus sealed the deal as the final lamb of God, the Passover lamb, so that now we can protect our homes from the destroyer through faith in the blood of Jesus. And so we've been talking about the seven places Jesus shed his blood and just did a little bit of conversation on each one. We talked about the blood that was shed in Gethsemane as he submitted and surrendered to the will of God. We talked about the crown of thorns and how that crown was was redeeming identity. It was redeeming authority. It was redeeming so many things, even freedom from the torment and the agony, the mental warfare. Then we talked about the wounds and the bruising, two different kinds of bleeding. One is outward, one is inward. And we saw that Jesus heals everywhere we're hurting, whether it's outward and physical or inward and emotional, even spiritual. He's a healer. And then we talked about hands and feet. You know, hands are things that we build with, we work with, we express the gifts and graces God's given us. It's hands that we shake 
And, you know, when we shake hands in fellowship and it's hands that we use to embrace when we give hugs, it's hands that we use to lay hands on the sick and and pray and release the love and the power of Jesus. Amen. Hands are so powerful. And feet, of course, refer to your, you know, your walk and your life and where you go and where you don't go. Had all these conversations in previous weeks. You can go back and check out any of them at any time. But before we launch into the final one where his side was pierced, I want to say this regarding the hands and feet. It's such a powerful truth. It was not the nails that held him to that cross. Whether you're talking about his hands or his feet, it was not the nails that held him to the cross. He said in the garden when Peter tried to pull out a sword and defend him and said, no, this ain't going to happen. He said, put away your sword. And he said, listen, if I just wanted to escape, if I just wanted to wait out, I could call upon 12 legions of angels. So he wasn't looking for a way out. He was looking to make a way in for you and for me and for anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. So praise God, he made a way in for you. He made a way in for me. He made a way in for this entire world. And that's why we men have the privilege of preaching the gospel, whether it's at a table, at a break room, whether it's in a some hobby you enjoy with some community, maybe you're into racing, maybe you're into, you know, uh, hunting, or maybe you're into whatever hobby you're into, woodworking. You know, you have a community, you have a world that you're touching and lives that you're touching. And through conversation, we can present Jesus. We present him with our life. We present him with our testimony. We pre- We just present him in just general conversation. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the blood that was shed through his side. His side was pierced. And the Bible says that blood and water flowed. And you say, okay, what's that all about? What's what's redeemed as that side was pierced? Well, let's go back to Genesis 2 and see something that is not coincidental. In the Hebrew, they don't even have a word for coincidence. Because <laughs> God doesn't work in coincidence. Oh my goodness, there's that's another teaching. But anyway, Genesis chapter 2, it says in verse 21, and this was when God was going to bring and prepare a helper, a, a spouse, a covenant partner for a, for Adam. You know, and so obviously uh, God and him were walking and they were doing things, but there was no way for Adam to reproduce. There was no way to be fruitful and multiply. Nothing was found of all the all the other things that were created. Nothing was worthy. And so here's what God did. The Lord caused, verse 21, Genesis 2, 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and uh, or a part of his side and then closed up the place with his flesh. So where did that happen? Right out of his side. He opened up his side, took out a rib, and then closed up that place. And then with the rib or the part of his side, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he built up and made into a woman and brought her to the man. So he opened up his side, took something out, closed up the side. And then with what he removed, he created woman. And Adam said, this creature, (laughs) I'm reading the Amplified, This creature is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And you've probably heard this said, that when he first saw her, he said, whoa, 
Man. (laughs) There you go. That's not theologically sound, but it's kind of fun to say. Woman, because she was taken out of man, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not embarrassed, they were not ashamed in each other's presence. So again, if you then go from this into the New Testament, where the fullness of all that Christ was redeeming, let's go on into the New Testament to the book of Genesis, I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Let me get there, and I'll join you. Ephesians, let's go to chapter 5. And we'll go down to around, let's see, let's go down to verse 23. And this is where God is giving instruction to marriage. He's giving instruction to family. He later talks to children. Um, So this is the context for a phrase you've probably heard before. And it's a glorious church. Say that with me, a glorious church. This is the context for the phrase, a glorious church. God's giving instructions to family. He's given instructions specifically to marriage, and you can go even more pointed, more direct. He's actually instructing men when he makes the comment about the glorious church. So men, listen up. He's talking to us. He says this in verse 23. For the husband, Ephesians 5.23, amplified, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, himself the savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to everything to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that, now that denotes consequence and effect, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor. King James just says, a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and faultless. So here he's comparing men and women, marriage. He's comparing that this is the full expression of Christ in the church. Because Christ in the church, we are in covenant partnership with Jesus. And we're going to be in covenant partnership throughout the ages. This is why we're called the bride of Christ. You know, the bride is just a covenant partner to a man. Well, we're a covenant partner. It's not a gender issue. We don't have to act like women. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not even about gender. It's about covenant. And it's about covenant partnership that we're under the authority of Jesus, just like a woman's under the authority of a man, just like Eve was under the authority of her husband. You know, when they ate the fruit, nothing happened until the man ate it. I said, when they ate the fruit, they both ate it. Nothing happened when she ate it. But when he ate it, then the glory lifted. Then their eyes were opened. Then they experienced fear. Then they then they ran and hid and covered and, and blamed and all that. All that broke down after he ate 
the fruit. So again, in the same way, we're under the covering and authority of Jesus as his covenant partner. And you say, well, hold on there. Is all that? Well, let's just keep reading. It says, he goes on to say, verse 28, even so husbands should love their own wives, being in the sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and carefully protects it and cherishes it just like Christ does the church because we are members and parts of his body. See, this side being opened up on Calvary is very prophetic, and it, and it explains the fullness of all that was happening. Why did, why did he bleed in the garden? Why did he bleed through the crowns? Why did he bleed through the wounding and the bruising? Why did he bleed through the hands and the feet? Because ultimately, this wound opening up his side, again, Jesus wasn't looking for a way out. He was looking to give you and I a way in to covenant with God, a way in to be in relationship with him, covenant relationship with him, where he covers us, we're under his authority. Jesus is Lord. He says, we are members of his body. Verse 31, for this reason, does this sound familiar? Genesis two twenty one. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This mystery, <laughs> this mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relationship and the relation of Christ and the church. So here we see marriage has a mandate to be a witness of Christ in the church, what it means to be in covenant relationship with Jesus, what it means to be in covenant relationship with God. Marriage has a mandate to express that, to illustrate that, to show the world what it looks like to be in covenant love, love that's not just a feeling that's just fickle and it's just about me, 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 me. It's a covenant love that is about giving and it's about sacrifice and it's about God's plan and God's purpose and it's about a covenant marriage that will be forever with Jesus Christ. This mystery is very great, Paul says, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ in the church. However, let each man of you without exception love his wife, being in a sense his very own self, and the wife she that, see that she respects and reverences her husband, and that she note, well, I won't get into all the amplified on that. But I want to, I want to just wrap up here with this thought here today. The reason that side was opened Again, Jesus was not looking for a way out. It wasn't the nails holding him to the cross. It was his love for you and me. It was that he knew if he came down and he escaped, then the door shut and we're on the outside, never getting in. But his love, his commitment, his willingness to fight for you and me. And like Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him. He's enduring this cross. What was that joy? It was that his side would be opened up. Something could be taken out of him. It could be formed. It could be one new man. It could be a church could be formed. A family could be formed. And then that family, like Eve, was brought to Adam. We then could be brought to Jesus in marriage covenant to rule and to reign with him throughout all the ages. And so this final place he shed his blood is truly the consummation of the plan and the purpose of why Jesus came. It was to take us, all of us, 
who were on the outside looking in with no way to get back. Like John 10 says, he came to become a door. He said, I am the door. No man comes to the Father except through me. He said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Again, no man comes to the Father but through me. So that side being opened up was not just to let him bleed out and die. His side being opened up was so that a way could be made for you and I to come home and to be intimate with God to be in partnership with God and to live in agreement with God and to learn his ways and to discover what life's all about. And that would bring a whole new divine purpose to marriage, family, our vocation, our work, our lives. And so, men, I hope this conversation has encouraged your heart today. I just want to pray over you here as we just wrap up today's conversation. And I just want to say this, Father, I just thank you for your eternal love. And I thank you for your faithful love. And I thank you for each and every man that's listening to me that you did not. It was not the nails holding you to that cross. It was your love for each and every man I'm talking to. And that love, that love, that love held you to the cross and made it possible that a way would be opened up. A door would be opened up. Your side was opened up so that then we could enter into covenant with you, not just in this life, but in the life which is to come. Men, I want to thank you for being a part of today's uh, podcast and conversation. Again, I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends, your family, your other buddies. And, uh, you know, let's just keep the conversation going. We're going to pick up a new uh, series of conversations, a new topic maybe next week for sure. And I hope to see you on the Marksman podcast next week. But until this time, until that time, I call you blessed.